Welcome to the Broken Sun. to Specters of a Broken Sun, the second season of the hit anthology podcast, Stories of a Broken Sun. I'm Matt, your friendly guide here. My pronouns are he and him, and you can find me on Twitter at Ycaliber. Otherwise, you can follow the show at Broken Sun RPG. Today, I'm joined by just one of our lovely players returning from our previous season. We've got Trudy. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Trudy, and my pronouns are they, them. Wonderful. Um, who are you playing today, Trudy? Uh, I'm playing Zora. Zora, the Sword of Gov. It's been a while. Okay, well, first off, I'll note that we'll still be playing Scum and Villainy, a Forge in the Dark game by John LeBouf Little and Strathazimovic, which you can find a link to in the show notes. Furthermore, I want to acknowledge that this podcast is produced on the unceded territory of the Catesy, Coquitlam, Stalo, Quantlin, Staminas, and Musqueam people, and the treaty land of the Tawasan First Nation. You can support Indigenous land protectors by visiting unistutun.camp. You can see that in the show notes and learning about the ongoing fight against invasive and illegal pipelines and the lack of respect for land rights. Today, we are going to be seeing what Zora has been up to ever since she was decanted from the crate from which the rest of our crew was rescued. So the last thing you remember, Zora, is taking an herbal concoction prepared by Lean and Maeve that put you into a state of simulated death. After that, your body was loaded into this uh, crate and transported up to the sun because living matter cannot make that journey for reasons which are complex and technological and not at all hand-wavy story stuff that we just need to make the narrative work. You know, Terminator time travel rules, basically. So, well, the reverse of that, I should say. Reverse Terminator time travel rules are how it works. That should be a technical enough explanation for anyone who is a scientist out there. So your expectation here was that you would wake up alongside the Sunbreakers and carry out your mission to confront the solar free state up here on the sun. Unfortunately, that does not seem to have happened. The resistance, as we learned, is not quite what MP thought it was. Uh, MP was hoping that the resistance would be, you know, a large organized group of people who wanted to share the same goal of making sure that the solar free state was no longer occupying and uh, ruling over the people of the habitat. Unfortunately, they were not what we had hoped, and they don't seem to be the allies we need. So what happens here, Zora, is that you slowly begin to surface from a state much like sleep, but deeper, dreamless. You can feel your body beginning to return to you. There's tingling in your extremities and your limbs as if they've been asleep for a long time, because they have. And as you begin to awaken, your senses start to make their way back into your perception. The first one to come back, oddly enough, is smell. And the smell is one with which you are familiar and not in a pleasant way. It is the smell of blood. This perhaps is enough to alert your other senses that they need to 
get a hustle on and start coming online a little bit faster. Soon, once your feeling is there and your smell is, is activated, your eyes come into focus, bleary but blurry, difficult to see, but there is a bright light above you, the type of light that you may remember seeing inside the hub, uh, which you would learn would be called fluorescent. It's a steady light. There's no flickering. Uh, it's very bright and white, clinical. It makes everything look not quite real. Uh, it lays bare all flaws in an unflattering way, but it's great for working by. The light is on and steady until all of a sudden you see it flicker once and then it flickers a second time. And as it does, your hearing begins to come back. You hear a in time with the lights flickering, that hum of the halogen bulb. It is then that you notice an even louder sound, but one that perhaps escaped your perception until now because of just how repetitive it was. There's an alarm klaxon sounding. This might be an alarming thing for Zora to experience, as this type of alarm klaxon just doesn't exist on the habitat. But you would have had things like, uh, what's that thing we call, like a reverie call in the morning when you were in the army. That type of alert is not uncommon to you, but this is this, this repeated bleating noise. Is it a digital klaxon sound? You and I in the audience know what it sounds like. And uh, I think Zora is probably you know, aware enough of her surroundings to pick up that this means something bad. Just as you are finally able to start moving your fingers and toes, the lights suddenly shut off entirely. And after a moment, instead of that bright white light, they are replaced by red lights. This casts everything into an entirely different perception. Colors are washed out and the only things that you can see are red and black. You can feel your back and your legs are cold. You've been lying on something hard and cold and metallic, a slab. What's the first thing Zora does? The first thing she does is she tries to push herself off of w whatever she's laying on. Um, this is not good. She's a little bit panicked between the lights and the noise. It, um, she just wants to get out. Okay. So you're pushing yourself up and you're able to get your legs over the edge of this metal table. You're dangling a little high up above the ground, but at the same time, you're very tall. So your feet touch a tiled floor on the ground. The floor is slick with what you are pretty sure is blood as well. You see, as you swing yourself up into a seated position, there is a body lying on the ground next to this table, slowly leaking a pool of blood onto the ground. There appears to be a drain underneath the table where you are being held, and the blood is very slowly making its way into there. Can I tell at all where the, the person is bleeding from, or is it just impossible to tell with the flashing red lights? The person appears to be bleeding from the head. If you investigate, you can see that there is a spatter of blood on one of the corner edges of your table, so you can probably work out what happened from that. Yeah. Oh, what are they wearing? They are wearing a, let's see, like a mint green robe of some sort. It looks vaguely familiar to Zora as the type of thing a doctor might wear on the habitat. They have a mask over their face. Uh, they're lying face up. Their eyes are open, mm -hmm. but just staring blankly. They, well, you'd have to check to get more information on that. Zora's less concerned with that person right now and more concerned with figuring out where she is and how to get out of here. So she's going to quickly scan around the room, looking for an exit and looking for anything else that might tell her where she is right now, because this is definitely not where she thought she would be. No. So the room is, yeah, it's fairly 
difficult to make out details in this red light, but there's enough light for you to see. Like next to the slab where you were is a cart covered in a variety of stainless steel tools uh, that would be used in something like uh, a surgery or even an autopsy. There is a smaller table next to that with uh, a series of electronics on it, wires and stuff like that that you might recognize from seeing in the hub. On the far wall, there is a large wardrobe. You notice that you are wearing some type of robe that closes in the back, but is only loosely tied. So are there clothes that I could change into in the wardrobe that are less standouty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you open up the wardrobe, you can see that your gear has been stowed in here. I'm gonna suit up. So the stuff that you were the stuff that you were wearing. Okay. Uh, you take a couple of minutes. I'm sure Zora knows how to put on her own armor at this point. <laughs> I would hope so. In her life. And uh, yeah, uh, your your sword is here as well. That big old weapon of yours is here. They had to put it sort of diagonally in this wardrobe because it was so big, <laughs> but it's there as well. Okay. As you are putting the sword on your back, you hear a voice from a corner of the room that has until now been in shadow. And the voice says, oh, good, you're awake. Um, she's going to look around and see who, where, where's the voice coming from? Who is it? Oh, okay, hold on, hold on. There's a small humming sound, and then a a circle, an orange circle lights up uh, that you might recognize as the symbol that the Sunbreakers took for their flag uh, during the siege of the hub. And that glowing orange circle floats up into the air to around your head level. And uh, in the flashing red light, you can see what you might recognize as the inverted bucket-shaped helmet that uh, Zonin was wearing. Mm-hmm. Just the helmet, though, and it's floating in the air. What's going on? Where am I? Well, uh, okay, that's a big question. What's going on? Uh, you got hijacked. Turns out the resistance. Bad news up here. Uh, Zonin is somewhere out there with uh, some other folks I don't really know. Uh, th- this is a rescue. You're being you're being rescued. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I dealt with that doctor. I I didn't. I didn't mean to deal with that doctor, but, uh, well, it is what it is. Where's everyone else? Yeah. Um, yeah, good question. I, I would also like to know that information. As soon as things went bad, uh, communications got, got shut down right away. I do not know where anybody else is. Zora takes a deep breath. Well, I've, I've got to go. I've got to get out of here. Oh, great idea. Yeah. Um, can you open that door? Because I do not have hands. Zora, Zora heads over to the door and attempts to open it. Uh, the door doesn't seem to want to open. Um, well, we're going to make it open. Okay. So, Zora, you're very strong. You're, like, superhumanly strong, right? Yeah. This, this station, uh, the sun up here, as I've described to the other Sunbreakers before, is not designed to withstand superheroes, basically, which is what you are in this context. So the door doesn't want to open, but once you push on a little bit, just the lock breaks. And it swings open. Uh, there's a, an electronic protest. But this isn't the type of thing you really need to roll for. These are not designed to keep someone like you away. All right. She's going to tear through and, and head into the other room. What's, uh, what's in there? Uh, so this other room is, it appears to be another. Okay. So this is a, not an operating theater itself. You were in what appeared to be an operating theater. And also, as you were putting on your helmet, you would have felt that there was a uh, an incision that someone had begun to make along the back of your head and neck. 
So it was bleeding a little bit, but it doesn't look like they got very far before Zonin's helmet came and took care of things. But uh, whoever this doctor was, they were trying to cut you open. Oh, well, that seems uh, important to ask about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember if Zora is familiar with the ghost that lives in Zonin's helmet. I don't think so, no. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Life has gotten increasingly bizarre for Zora, so um, she's at the point where she's just accepting that everything that she thought was real and normal maybe isn't real and normal uh, after all. Yeah, things are very strange now. Yeah. Uh, So the helmet uh, floats up next to you and says, "Uh, Hey, how's how's that cut on the back of your head? It's all right. Do you, do you know what they were trying to do? Oh, yeah. They were, they were going to put a bomb in there. In my head? Yeah, right in your head. Why? Well, um, I do have some experience with being used as a, you know, a tool of war. So I would assume it was so that they could use you as a tool of war without uh, you being able to say no. And you're certainly in- do anything to me, right? When I got here, they were just starting. So uh, I hope not. But I am not a doctor. We'll have to wait until Maeve can take a look at that. Zora not. Assuming Maeve is still alive. Okay, uh, I'm Matt, by the way. Matt Damon. Nice to meet you, Matt. Yeah, pleasure. I guess we didn't meet during the whole siege thing. I was kind of busy keeping Zonin alive, which I should be doing here. Uh, hey, a sink. Matt floats over and there is a big old sink. This is where the doctors scrub up before they go into the operating theaters. You can see other doors similar to the one you came through uh, leading out of here. And then a door that has, it's a big double door with a red light on top of it that appears to lead into a hallway beyond that. So, you know, if you wanted to wash your hands or something, you could do so here. (laughs) Is he headed over to the sink? He's just floating over the sink. He's like, you know, uh, you got, you got a lot of blood on you. I don't know if that's a a thing for you or or not. No, I'm going to take care of that. Good, good, cool, cool. I mean, I can't smell anything and I don't care, but, uh, you know, there's children out there somewhere. Um, Zora, Zora scrubs up, uh, as best as she can. Um, I assume it's probably pretty hard to tell whether or not she got all the blood off, but she'll do her best to be as thorough as she can in the sliding. Yeah. I mean, when all you can see is red and black, it makes cleaning off blood (laughs) pretty difficult. Uh, okay. So that klaxon is still going. But uh, yeah, you're you're as cleaned up as you can get. All right, we're headed we're headed to the double doors with a light over it. Okay, that leads you into a long hallway. Uh, the hallway has a couple of uh, like hospital beds on either side of it, but for the most part, it's just empty and quiet. And in fact, as you're walking along, you notice that it's pretty dusty here. And the further you go down this hallway, the in a word shittier everything looks. Mm-hmm. Like the room you started in seemed like it was nice and clean and sanitized and everything. But the further you get from it, the more this starts to look less like a hospital and more like uh, kind of a ruin or an abandoned place. You know, there's uh, not cobwebs because there are no living creatures up here uh, on the sun, but like lots of dust and things that are cracked and warped in ways that they shouldn't be. You get out into the uh, reception area or what once was in a reception area. And there's a bunch of chairs, many of which have been ripped up or kicked over. Uh, some of them have just rotted away over the past 300-ish years. There's a mirror along one wall, but it's all like oxidized. It's difficult to see much in it. But uh, this is a big open room and it looks like something happened here. But whatever it was, was a long time ago. 
are there any lights? Is the siren going off over here as well? Or It is still going. Uh, the sound of it seems to be coming through speakers that are likewise old and degraded. So uh, the sound of the klaxon is a little bit warped here, which makes it kind of worse in a lot of ways. Yeah. But the lights, those that there still are, are also red, but there are fewer lights than there were in the hallway and further back. It's getting darker and harder to see here. Are there any any doors that look like they may be um, an exit out? Assuming this is reception. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of different doors here. There's, you know, there's big doors and then there's some smaller doors that appear to be leading to hallways such as the one you just came out of. The big doors uh, might be the exit. We're heading to the big doors. Okay. Matt turns the light on his helmet into like a floodlight kind of thing. So it is lighting up the area in front of you. It's not perfect, but it's better than the red light. It appears to be a yellowish light that uh, he's emitting. As I keep forgetting, you people don't have uh, robot eyes. Can't see in the dark very well. Uh, my apologies. I'm trying to be more considerate about these things these days. Um, so security will be, uh, there will be some security. So I should be ready for a fight. I would suggest that. Uh, yeah, I came here kind of by chance. The, the, the plan was to split up. This is a big place that we are in. Uh, and it is all, I don't think there's an underground here because it's like an onion, but, uh, it seems to be a lot of empty space that people could be using and then they are not, but, uh, there's, uh, there's some, some robot things that, uh, they'll try and hit you with like a stun baton. And there's these other things that have like a gun that shoots like a, you know what a gun is. You saw, it's like a bow, but better. So, uh, be careful. And as, uh, as he says that, you can hear from the other side of this door uh, a rattling sound and then rattling thump, 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 thump. Okay, it's, it's time to pull out the, the big giant sword. <laughs> you do so. <laughs> <laughs> There's one more thump and the door crashes open and you see this group of flying orbs come in. Um, there's about five of these flying orbs that they come in and they are surrounded by being orbited by some type of whirring blade. So there's these, they're like, it's a flying sphere and the sphere has like a buzzsaw on it. There's about five of these. And the thing that bursts through the door is this, it's, it's also shaped like a pylon. It's like, um, like a little pillar. It's floating a couple of inches above the ground. It's not a little pillar. It's a large pillar. It's about five feet tall. Mm -hmm. It's floating a couple inches above the ground, and it has these tubes and limbs sticking out of it that are rotating in different ways. Two of the limbs uh, are articulated like arms, and they have these batons that are sparking blue light at the end. And uh, some of the other limbs have unfamiliar weaponry on them as well. So there's this big one, and then five of the small ones floating around. And they are like, they've got lights shining. And they seem to be looking around for you. Um, I'm guessing there's no easy way to avoid or hide from them, especially with the floodlight going on right now. You can absolutely try. Okay. Zor is going to um, uh, signal for um, Matt to turn off his floodlight or its floodlight. Yeah, Matt goes by he. Okay. And then um, she's going to, to put a hand on Matt and then quietly say, guide me. Okay. You want, you want to do this quiet? Okay, we can do it quiet. Okay. Yeah, th those things are freakish and um, frightening. Sora's <laughs> never seen anything like that before. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of them. Okay, I have created, you can see these two, one of these has four segments, the other has six. You see them down there? Yes. 
Okay. So these are clocks. And in this system, clocks are a way that we can measure progress towards different goals. So this one clock, the smaller one, is for dealing with or evading the buzzsaw drones. And the larger clock is for dealing with or evading the big security drone, the security mech. So whenever you take an action that would deal with them in some way, whatever way that would be, depending on how well you do with that action roll, we fill segments of the clock. When the clock is filled, you've dealt with that obstacle. Got it. Okay. So you're trying to sneak right now. So generally what will happen once you're more familiar with this system is you will tell me what action you want to take. You'll describe what you're doing as you did and then say, I want to use this action for it. So what it sounds like you're describing is the action skulk. Uh, skulk is generally sneaking around and being sneaky. Yeah. Uh, you have zero points in that skill rating, but that doesn't mean you can't use it. Uh, when you roll with zero points in an action, you roll two six-sided die and you take the lowest result. You can improve your odds here in a variety of different ways. The first way is somebody can help you. There's no one here to help you right now, but you do have Matt, so that would improve your fictional positioning. The second way you can do it is you can push yourself. When you push yourself, you take two stress. If you see on your character sheet where it says stress mm -hmm. on the left side, yep. you would fill in two of those, and then you can use that to either give yourself an extra die or uh, you can improve your effects. So in this game, the position and effect are fictional positioning tools that we use to determine how well an action is going to work and the situation you're in when you do that action. So your positions, there are three options. There's controlled, if you're not in any danger. There's risky, if there is some danger, if things go wrong. And then there's desperate, and that's if you're in a very bad situation. So those are the three positions. Mm -hmm. Right now, your position is risky. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of that is effect. And effect goes from none, meaning it won't do anything, to limited, meaning it will have some small amount of effects, standard, which is it'll have the normal level of effects, or great, which means you'll do something really well if you succeed. Mm -hmm. So you can push yourself to improve your, to improve your position or effects or to give yourself an extra die. The last, the last option, I'm sorry, there's two more options. No, go for it. Yeah, there's devil's bargain. When you ask for a devil's bargain, you can say, what would a devil's bargain look like in this situation? And you can use that to get an extra die. Um, and a devil's bargain means I will tell you a consequence that you cannot escape. And if you accept that inescapable consequence, you get the extra die for your roll. So for example, you might say, what might a devil's bargain look like here? And I would say, you could escape the notice of the security mech, but the drones will be able to follow you. Mm -hmm. And then even if you succeed on the roll, the drones will still be able to follow you. Gotcha. And the last way is you can spend a gambit. Uh, you have two points that are called gambits. You can use those at any time to get an extra die. All right. So currently, if you're, do, if you're using Skulk, if you're sneaking around, you'd be mm -hmm. at zero dice. Your position is risky. And sneaking around uh, when they've got floodlights and you're very large would, be, would have limited effects. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out what makes most sense to improve. And I feel like there are so many options that I'm kind of overwhelmed by them. Well, let's make it simple. Uh, Zora's just woken up. It is difficult to do anything right now because you've been dead for a while. Mm -hmm. You might need to push yourself. And to push yourself, easiest option there is to take an extra die. That way you're only rolling 1d6, but you get, you get the result you get. Okay. Uh, you can also push yourself and spend a gambit and bring yourself up to two dice in Skulk. Yeah, let's use a gambit, and hopefully I um, hopefully I don't need to use a gambit, um, well, more than one gambit for the rest of this uh, session. 
<laughs> you can get gambits back. Oh yeah? How do you get gambits back? Uh, let's see. Uh, if you roll a six on a risky roll. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's it. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and roll my 2d6. Okay. And wow. All right. So you got a six there. So that's very good. Uh, six with limited effects means that you're going to fill up two of these segments on evading the buzzsaw drones, which are the ones floating around looking. So you're able to like sneak through this area. Matt is guiding you silently uh, behind the reception desk as the drones fly by. You are now between the drones and the security mech by the door. The drones are continuing to fly in through the room, looking, flashing their strobe lights. The security mech is remaining in the door, in the doorway, uh, flexing its different tools. You could get around it or find an alternate exit if you wanted to. We're going to try and see if we can find an alternate exit. It's standing in the doorway means that I have very little chance of getting by. <laughs> and I'm very easy to see right now. So. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to try and find some other other exit that doesn't have a giant column right in the middle of it. Yeah. Okay. So when you are looking around trying to learn more about a situation, you're probably using the action study. Mm -hmm. You also do not have <laughs> any points <laughs> in study. Uh, but you, again, you can, you can give this a try to look around. Mm -hmm. And I would say with this, with Matt's help, you would get uh, an extra die without pushing yourself. Because Matt can see, so Matt would be able to assist you with this. All right, uh, let's do it then. I'll roll my 2d6. It would be 1d6 at this point, because you're oh. just getting one extra die from assistance. Gotcha. Oh, there we go. And the position is, uh, is it still risky? Yeah, you're in risky. With the low light, it would normally be limited effect. But because you've got Matt's help, we'll say it's standard. So risky position, standard effect. Got it. And then add your one bonus die from Matt Damon. Uh, we'll just, I will just take the first thing you rolled there, a five. Thank you. Okay, so you've rolled a five here on finding a way, an alternate exit here. So a five is a mixed success. Four and five are mixed success, meaning that you get what you want, but there's a consequence that goes with it. It's the most common result in this game, mixed success. All right, so you convey to Matt that you want to find a way around that drone. And I think there isn't another way out of here, but what you can find is a way to draw its attention and perhaps make it get further into the uh, further into the room. So with that uh, action, you find that there are back here behind the reception desk a number of old things that you could throw to create a noise somewhere. So I'm going to increase this clock here. So you got a mixed success on a standard roll. So that's also two ticks there. All right. Uh, so you, what is it that you end up throwing? Um, is there anything very large that could conceivably still be thrown by Zora? Yeah, there's like, there's an old computer monitor here that's all busted. There's uh, an old chair. It's mostly just the metal bits of the chair now. Everything else is rubbed away. We're going to we're gonna try a computer monitor. I always okay. wanted to do this. Living <laughs> vicariously through my character. That's what games are for. <laughs> all right. The computer monitor sails across the room uh, with your powerful arms, slams into the wall out the back, and then clatters into the, uh, into the chairs below. The monitor basically explodes when it hits the wall. There's a tinkling of glass. There's no power to it. So it's just the plastic cracking and the glass shattering as uh, it tinkles down towards the ground. This draws the attention of the mech and the drones. They are now looking away from you. The mech has made its way into the room and is floating over there going like... The doorway is clear, but it's still dangerous to get there. Zora is going to try and move as quickly as she can uh, towards the exit while they 
those weird creatures are faced away. Okay. So um, when you're trying to move quickly in that way, you're probably using the action scramble, which is finally an action you have points in. Yay. Yay. Uh, your position here is still risky, which is the position you spend most of this game in, by the way. If it's not risky, you generally wouldn't roll. So you're either risky or desperate for the most part when you're playing this game. Yeah. Okay. So if you, you're risky, you're fast, you're trained, I would say this is standard effect to get to the door. Hopefully I did that right. Let's see. Yep. Okay. So you got a five there. So it's time to make success. I'm going to move this out of the way. Okay. So you are able to get through the door, but what happens here as a consequence is the security mech turns around and sees you as you get to the doorway. And he goes, and the drones spin around as well. So all eyes are now on you as you are standing just inside the doorway to this building. They are coming over towards you. Um, I'm moving away from them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you want to run away from them or do you want to try and trap them in here? Um, is there, when I get outside, if I quickly scan around, is there anything that can block the door? Uh, let me do a fortune roll. A what roll? Fortune roll is like flipping a coin, basically. Gotcha. It's when I make a roll and see if things turn out well for you or not. Okay. So I'm going to base this on the tier of the resistance, uh, which is four. And we are looking for a, uh, a success of some kind in here. Okay. Uh, that's actually a critical success. Oh, wow. Yes. So you get outside and you do see that, in fact, there is a security shutter that you could pull down that would uh, block off this doorway. But you would have to you'd have to make some kind of roll to do it in time. Okay. Some let's kind of do action it. to do it in time. Okay. What kind of action do you think this is going to be? Um, taking a look now at the options. Okay. So basically it would depend. You would tell me how Zora goes about it and okay. we would figure out an action based on that. Like, is she just going to rip it down? Is she going to try and. Oh, she's just going to rip it down. That's it. Okay. If she's just going to try and rip it down, uh, then it's probably going to be, let's see. One of the issues with this system is that there isn't really just a break things action. <laughs> Uh, so normally if you wanted like a great effect on this, I would say it would be rig because that's, you know, disable, modify, repair, or create mechanisms, disable a trap, pick a lock, crack a safe, rig explosives. I would say if we're just ripping it down and hoping for the best, it would be uh, standard effects and we would be looking at either scramble, no, scramble would be limited or scrap for standard effects because I sort of use that as a stand in for the break stuff action. Yeah. Well, um, I, apparently I'm very good at scrap, so. Okay. So you reach up and you just basically try and rip it down there to yep. cover it up. And uh, yeah, let's roll your risky standard on scrap. Okay. You got a six. More dice is always better, right? Yeah. So a six means you succeed. Just, it happens. So yeah, you, you slam that uh, security gate down and the drones slam into the back of it. You hear their... Uh, as they bounce off and uh, that the mech is very upset by this. Uh, you can hear them starting to slam against it and punch against it. But uh, on standard effect with a six, that is three ticks. So you have filled both of these clocks. You have successfully evaded these security things, uh, these security measures in both cases. So they're battering against the security gate, but you are safely on the other side. Well, that was close. <sighs> now that they're safely outside, Zora's just going to... Look around, see where she is. All right, you are in, well, you are still in this same facility, but 
you can see that you are in a different section of it now. Okay. This no longer appears to be the hospital style section. Uh, this facility, you could probably figure out what it was if you wanted to go around and investigate it and do that whole, you know, adventure game style thing. But I don't know if that's Zora's style and I don't know if this is the time for it. Oh, no. <laughs> Zora's basically just trying to make her way out of here. And if she catches anything along the way that gives her some clue as to where she is, all the better. But priority number one is is getting the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt says, all right, well, uh, I got past some of the interference now that we're out of the main hospital area. I guess security isn't as tight out here. Uh, I'm going to see if I can get a signal from the rest of zone in suit. Uh, can you see if there's a way up? From what I understand, up is the way out. All right. Zora's going to look around for anything that might get them up. Okay. And again, this we have to ask, like, how does Zora do this? Does Zora, like do it calmly, methodically, or is Zora scrambling all over the place trying to climb anything that looks climbable? I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, probably scrambling, okay. um, trying, to, trying to find anything. Um, she's definitely not being methodical about it. She's being calm, as calm as she can be about their situation, um, but she's definitely not taking her time mm -hmm. as far as things are concerned right now. Okay. I'm going to call this limited effects, and I would suggest scramble in that case. Okay. Because you're not doing this super carefully, which would be more of a study thing, and that would be a standard of great effects. If you're just trying to like climb anything that looks climbable, then scramble, you've got a four, which is again a mixed success. All right. Uh so then introduce a new mechanic to you here. The success here is you do find there is a stairwell as you're climbing over stuff. You find a heap of debris, and behind the heap of debris there is stairs. Mm -hmm. So you start clearing that out, but some of this debris is old, rusty metal. And uh, you get a, you're going to take a level of harm from this as the metal cuts into your hands as you're trying to scramble it out of the way. So how harm works, uh, if you see below the stress track, mm -hmm. there is a box called harm and there's two boxes for one, two boxes for two and one box for three that says need help. Mm -hmm. So the harm that you're going to take here is a level one harm cut. So you would put cut into the box. And that means that if you're doing an action that would require Zora to use her hands, because that's what's cut, mm -hmm. you would have less effect. So if you would normally have standard effect on that action, you would instead have limited effect unless you pushed yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, you can resist harm. And you can also resist pretty much any consequence unless it comes from a devil's bargain. And how resistance works is you say, I'd like to resist that harm, or I'd like to resist that consequence. Mm -hmm. And then I tell you which attribute you would use to resist it. Your attributes are insight, prowess, or resolve. So to avoid getting your hands cut open, you would be using the, the uh, prowess attribute to resist that consequence. How resistance works is it's risky because you roll your attribute. So in this case, you'd click on the word prowess and it would come up with that pop-up I showed you before. Mm -hmm. And you'd basically be rolling three dice to resist this. And again, the higher your result, the better. Because the cost of the resistance is six stress minus your highest roll. So if you roll a six on your resistance roll, it costs you no stress and you can resist the consequence that way. But if you roll a one, it costs you five stress to resist. Mm -hmm. So do you want to resist the cut on your hand? I think for one harm, I think I'm all right. Okay. This does mean that if you're fighting, your effect will be lower. Oh, geez. Now you're making me second guess myself. I'm just introducing you to the mechanics of the system. <laughs> it's push and pull. It's give and take. All right. You can let it roll. That's fine, though. Uh, there's also armor in this game. Mm -hmm. 
So armor is something that you can declare from your list of gear and of, of, uh, sorry, of items that you can see in the middle of the sheet. Yeah. So uh, where is armor here? It's uh, to the right of armor. Yeah, it's on the bottom. So you can see armor is two boxes. That means it takes up two of your load. Uh, load is something that we didn't really talk about because it's we started in the middle of a mission. But I would say that you're at normal load right now, which means that you look like you could disguise yourself as not being trouble, but... Anyone paying attention will notice that you're probably trouble. Yeah. Heavy load is you just go in, you don't care, you're covered in guns and swords. <laughs> and light load is you're trying to look as inconspicuous as possible. And um, light load, you get three load, meaning you can only uh, declare three boxes worth of stuff. Normal load, which you have, means you can declare five boxes worth of stuff. Um, so, for example, this has sunder a fine vibro blade, but uh, we'll just pretend that's your sword. I'll just type in the sword. I don't remember if you gave the, your sword a special name. But, I uh, think so, but I can't remember for the life of me what it is. Yeah, we'll just call it the Sword of Gov. And you declared that you had that, so that's one of your load uh -huh. I've ticked off there. Um, how inventory works in this game is when you start the mission, you declare your load. And then mm -hmm. as you go through the mission, if you turn out to need something, you declare that you have it. Uh -huh. And as long as you have space in your load, you just tick it off and then you have that item. Mm-hmm. So if you decide you want armor, you can also use that to resist physical consequences um, instead of rolling, but it does take up two of your load to say you have armor. So those are the, those are the options for resisting. You can say you have armor or you can roll, roll to resist. And Let's you can only use the armor once. Uh, only once. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's go ahead and um, let's resist it. YOLO. Okay. Sure. So click on prowess. Okay. And do your roll there. Okay, so you got a five, so you take one stress. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Okay, so as you're digging your way through the metal, you are about to slash your hand open, but uh, you notice the sharp edge just in time, and instead use the edge of your gauntlet to push that aside. And that says, hey, you found something over there? I think I have. All right, all right, good, good, good. Stairs, those, those go up. Good job. Okay, uh, no line to zoning yet, but uh, he was pretty high up when I left him. You know, we, we split up to cover more ground because the news is bad. Okay, let's go up these stairs. Yeah. All right. Uh, so this is a stairwell, as you might find in any office building. Uh, it's just like metal stairs, and there are many, many, many levels of them. And uh, Matt's suggestion is just keep going until there aren't stairs anymore. <laughs> but uh, whether you take that or not, each time you get to a landing, there's another door to lead into some level of this facility. But you find as you are climbing up these that the the walls and the stairs and the doors start to look in better and better repair again, as if you are moving out of the disused area of this sprawling facility and into areas that might perhaps be maintained, which would imply there are people there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, Zor is definitely going up as far as, uh, as they possibly can. Matt is pretty weird. But um, he's proven himself reliable so far, and he is the only ally she has right now. So she's going to listen to him and, and go up as far as she can. Okay. When they reach that door, I suppose she'll open it slightly and take a look at what's inside. Okay. As you go to open the door, Matt says, uh, please allow me. I thought you didn't. Just hold it open a little bit. I got, I got a trick for this. 
Okay. She opens it just a little. Okay. The shape of the bucket changes. It's not a bucket shape anymore. Uh, this this floating helmet is now morphing into a stereotypical, historically inaccurate Viking helmet. It's got horns sticking out of the sides of it. And Matt uh, edges the helmet slideways to slide one of the horns out through the gap in the door. And the sun logo like makes its way over to the end of the horn so that it's peeking out. He says, all right, all right. Okay, wait, wait. Okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. All right, uh, Zora will go, go, go. Okay, you open the door and this hallway is well lit again. You can still hear the klaxons, but they're distant. Mm -hmm. And this area doesn't seem to be affected by them. It looks like it's in good repair. In fact, it looks like it's a roof. The strange thing is, when you look up from the roof here, there is still a ceiling. Uh, that's because, as Zora might remember, the entirety of the sun is inside of the sun. Yeah. So it's just layers upon layers uh, that are inside one atop the other. So wherever you are now, you are outside on some layer on the roof of a building on one layer, but you can still see the other layer above you. There's no sky here. The reason why Matt was telling you to wait until now is you can see further down where uh, behind where you've come out here, there is a, a floating, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a hand truck stuff? No, it's not that. It's a pallet. A floating pallet that is being pushed by a couple of drones who look kind of like MP's body does. That floating little thing with like paddle arms. And they appear to be pushing this pallet that's loaded up with something. Boxes of some sort that you can't quite see. And Matt says... I think those are resistance guys. Uh, not sure what they're doing here. Maybe they're delivering supplies, smuggling. I don't know. But uh, given what the resistance was going to do to you, I don't think we want them to see us. I don't think so either. Now that we're out, where do we go? Uh, it's a good question. It's a real good question. Uh, I still got to figure out where Zonin has gotten off to, but the job was to get you out of there before they put a bomb in your head. So, I mean, you're out. Uh, okay, hang on. We should get off this building. So he's, uh, he's floating over to the edge of the building and is like looking down, trying to be careful and says, that looks like an alleyway on this side. All right. Zora's headed over there. How high can you jump? Or rather, how far can you fall? Let's find out. How far down is it? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it's like three or four stories down. Oh God, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say Zora wouldn't be able to do it because she's Zora. She's very powerful. <laughs> I mean, you can you can do that with a roll or you can try to climb down. It would be a different kind of roll. It's up to you how you want to do it. All right. Um, <laughs> let me take a look at, at what would probably make the most sense for this. Okay. I mean, this, <laughs> this is probably still a kind of scramble deal. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, are you jumping or climbing? We're going to try and climb, and then if we fall, well, let's try and land on our feet. Okay, so you are still in a risky position here. Obviously, you're climbing down the side of a building. Okay. That's not designed to be climbed down in this way, and there are people around who could see you at any at any moment, so it'll be risky. Uh, your effect, if you're climbing, I think will be, uh, will be a standard effect on this still. No five. So as you are climbing down the side, is Zora just like slamming her fingers into the side of this building and... I think that that's com completely legit. Okay. Yes. And you're just slamming holes into the side of this building. <laughs> it looks sort of like concrete, but uh, it's not as heavy as concrete or as dense as concrete, the mm -hmm. building material here. It's some type of future thing. 
some type of future material that is lightweight but moldable and pourable like concrete. Mm-hmm. So you're you're climbing down at leaving these holes in it. As you go, as a consequence, when you are getting down to the uh, like the second story, you're halfway down, more than halfway down at this point. You go to slam your hand in to make finger holds, and instead you just kind of punch through the wall, and like your arm is stuck in there. You pull it back out, and just the section of the wall is is gone now. And inside there is an office, and like not an office building, but like an office uh, that is full of. A bunch of different types of people and they are all they have all turned now to look at you and you can see that there are some that have like so people on the sun most people don't have a human body here as zora would perhaps remember from the briefing because having a human body here means that you are using the dead body of someone from the habitat and that you have transferred your consciousness into that body mm-hmm. but most people can't afford that So most people have either a cyborg level of anatomy or they just have some type of robotic body. The poorest people are just in some type of box that rolls around. There's a couple of those in this room. There's one in this room. It looks like, you know, if you had been in this room before, you would gather. This is a gathering of resistance people, and that's probably the token working class person they have there. But for the most part, they're people in humanoid robotic bodies and one or two cyborg bodies where they've got some level of organic tissue in there like part of a head or an arm or a leg or something like that maybe someone's got a tongue because they want to taste stuff properly who knows uh and they've all just turned to look at you and they're very surprised like some of them have those led screens for faces and they just have like a emoji on there like a (laughs) surprised face emoji uh and then one of them says wait isn't that the one from the surface yeah zora's gonna drop down <laughs> yeah, they start trying to. Wait, how did she get out? What? Get her! <laughs> They're starting to run over towards. Zora just drops down. Okay, I think two stories is fine. Yeah. You land. Is it a superhero landing? What's the landing like? Oh, it's totally a superhero landing, and then immediately okay. sprint. Okay, and that's like, hey, you're famous. <laughs> so you're running off. <laughs> Not what I wanted to be famous for. <laughs> you can now hear as you are running off. There are explosions in the distance, like a variety of explosions in different parts of the distance. It sounds almost like there's an attack going on. Um, and in fact, if you look up into the sky, you can see a familiar streak of multicolored light that is flying through the sky and appears to be dropping things onto this area that are exploding. It looks like it's Mandukai up there flying around, dropping bombs, but she's pretty high up. And uh, Matt says, uh, good, she's okay at least. Yeah, but we're not going to be. No, we should probably go. Uh, okay, okay, okay. I'm going to get my bearings. Okay, it's. Uh... Okay, left up here. All right. Zora takes a left up there. Okay. I'm not going to make you do a whole bunch of rolls mm-hmm. to run through a city because that would not be very mechanically interesting, in my opinion. But you can see that this is a, uh, a place in danger. You can see that there are people out in the streets. Uh, and most of the people out here are in humanoid style bodies. A lot of them have a very similar like model. Like there are some, clearly there are mass produced models available that people can get with different levels of, you know, it's like the difference between an iPhone 10 and an iPhone 10 pro or something. Yeah. Some of them are nicer than others. And a couple of them are more like a Nokia. Mm-hmm. It just depends what they can afford. And uh, people are running back and forth in a bit of a panic uh, because this area is being bombed. And as you are running, there's, you know, the explosions are coming from various areas. And Matt says, okay. Uh, I'm going to have to give you 
directions. How are you with directions? Um, I can follow them. Okay, okay, good, good, good. Now, I've got to go back there. i got to find Zonin. But you need to get out of here before they capture you again. You're going to meet up with me afterwards, though, right? That's the plan. Mandakai's out there. I think we're probably going to be okay. She's, you know, heavy hitter. Uh, I'm a little bit more worried about Zonin. He's kind of an idiot. You know, love the guy. But uh, he doesn't think. So I got to go rescue him. He's kind of my responsibility. I got to tell you the secret passage way to get to the express. The Sunbreakers are there. They're waiting for you. Well, it's them other than Zonin. Uh, at least they were waiting for you. They got some big important mission to do. They need your help. Okay. All right. So here's the directions. Uh, and Matt starts giving you a series of fairly complex directions, including like secret knocks and different things like that. And after like a literally two full minutes of talking in the alleyway here, he says, okay, you get I think I'm good. So I hope she's good. I can download it into your brain, but it'll hurt. Download it. Okay. This, okay. You got to take off your helmet so that I can, I can go on your head. She takes it off. Okay. Brace yourself. Uh, the helmet resizes itself into its regular bucket shape, uh, but resizes itself for your head, floats above you and settles down. And at first it's nothing. It's just dark, like someone's put a bucket over your head. But you then feel a sting in the back of your neck because there's a needle plunging into your spine at this point. Uh, it hurts a lot, as Matt had promised it would. And your consciousness kind of, you kind of black out for a second. Uh, but when you wake up, you know all of the directions he was telling you as if they were your own memories. And he says, oh, oh, that took it out of me. You okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, if I had designed myself, I would not have done it that way. But, uh, sometimes the cruelty is the point, you know? Yeah. Okay, you'll be safe. I'll see you soon. Yeah, he lifts off your head. There's, you know, there's a hole in the back of your neck. It's not a huge one, but it's there. And it's going to hurt. It'll probably scab over eventually. But you know the way to go. And you are taking those directions. All right. So let's do, I'm going to make a little clock here for getting to the meetup point there. Not a big clock. It's just going to be a 4.1. There we go. And that is our rendezvous clock. How is Zora making her way through this world? How, how is she making her way through the city? Yeah. Doing probably what everyone else is, running. <laughs> okay. So there are bombs going off, mm -hmm. uh, which I think qualifies this as a desperate position. Yeah. Because there could be an explosion near you at any point. Uh, the people doing this bombing don't know where you are and don't know that you're actually not in that building anymore. So you're in a desperate position. This is probably still a scramble type thing. If, do you want to push yourself or use a gambit or anything like that? Let's go ahead and push myself. Okay. You also gained another gambit on that scrap roll a while back because you rolled a six on it. Oh, yeah, that's true. So you have two gambits at the moment. So you can use a gambit. Okay, so add that as a bonus die on your desperate standard. No, you've got the stuff uploaded into your brain. Desperate great scramble roll. Desperate great? Yep, with one okay. bonus die. Okay, you got a five. Now, every time you roll a desperate act, you actually go into your character sheet and you mark experience in that attribute. So you would go down to uh, prowess and you would click one of those boxes next to the word prowess to show that you gained experience in that area. Got it. I'm rolling desperate. Okay, so five. I will do, 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 with great effects. Okay, so you make your way most of the way through this war zone, but unfortunately, there is there are patrols out looking for you, 
from the resistance. This appears to be a part of the sun that is mostly resistance controlled or resistance, resistance sympathetic, or they otherwise have a really strong presence here, legitimately or not. Probably not legitimately because they're considered a terrorist organization. You run into a patrol. There is a group of uh, resistance people. They've got the resistance colors on them. They are in uh, humanoid bodies, two of them. This is a group of three. Mm-hmm. Two of them are in humanoid bodies. They look, one of them looks like the robots from iRobot. Mm-hmm. You've seen that one, the one with yes. Will Smith. But they're mm-hmm. wearing clothes over it. And the clothes they're wearing is they're wearing a Roman style toga. And they have bracelets clanking on their wrists. And they are carrying a staff. Uh, in addition to that, the second one in the humanoid body looks like a bit of a a clockwork man, but with an LCD screen for a face. Mm-hmm. And the LCD screen for a, pl- a face looks like the face of a clock. So imagine, like in the Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. what's the clock guy named again? Uh, Cogsworth. Cogsworth. Cogsworth's face on a uh, sort of a steampunk style body that's got humanoid dimensions. It's got like brass tubes sticking out of it, belching steam for no reason. It's clearly not steam powered. It's just for the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. They've got a top hat on top of their head. And the third body is a quadrupedal. It's got four legs, but it also has a torso with arms on it. This person has styled themselves after a centaur, but uh, the robotic horse part of their body is not a horse, but uh, let's see. Yeah, it's a cat. Wow. And they have a humanoid torso sticking up, but it's uh, it's similar again to that iRobot style sketchy humanoid body. And they've got robotic cat ears on top of their head as well. Okay. Cat centaur. How big are they? There's the three people facing you. They're all just regular human size. They're like between five to six feet tall. Well, uh, taking us back to the before times, Zora's going to uh, take out her sword and say, stand down. Okay. I'm going to open up a clock for these fools. Uh, I'm just going to call this resistance patrol. All right. So you are trying to order them or threaten them, right? Yes. Now you have an action for that. Oh, yeah. Uh, that would be command. Yep. Or sway. One of those could work. Uh, do we have any abilities that would add here? Mm-hmm. Mm, no. Yeah. Uh, these three do count as a small gang to a fight. But command is something you can do. I think you've got two points in it there. Yep. Okay. There's bombs going off. They're armed. They're facing you. You're still in a desperate position here. Okay. Because they're clearly they want to capture you at almost any cost. So, yeah, this would be desperate. You are large and intimidating, uh, but they really want to capture you. So normally your size and the fact that you're carrying a giant sword would make this great effect. But because they are under orders to capture you at any cost, they're going to make this standard effect instead. So desperate standard. Ouch. Okay. So this is the first time you failed a roll, (laughs) (laughs) which is pretty, pretty good. All right. So we don't fill up any of the segments of this clock on, on a failed roll, unfortunately. Yeah. And there is a a desperate consequence, which isn't good. So you, you tell them to stand aside and the one with the staff backs up a step, but the cat centaur one just turns towards you and their chest opens up and a cannon fires out of it. Wow. Yes. Which is a level three harm. Yeah. They just shoot you with a chest cannon. It's like some, you know, super robot shit they're doing. It's ridiculous. It shouldn't be happening, but, uh, this is what happens when you give people hundreds of years of downtime and robot bodies to modify as they will. Some of them just do the dumbest shit imaginable. <laughs> right. Would now be a, a good time to declare I have armor? 
It'd be a great time to declare you have armor. <laughs> All right. Um, I have armor. <laughs> okay. Uh, so mark that off on your sheet. I think, yeah, it's already blue. Okay. So using the armor is going to reduce it from level three harm to level one harm in this case. So instead of level three harm, you know, perforated, we'll have the level one harm staggered as the blast slams into your armor. What does it look like as you resist this blast? I mean, she's basically going to try and stay on her feet, but probably stumble back a little bit. Okay. Do you catch the blast on your sword or on your crossed arms or anything like that? Yeah, crossed arms. Okay. So the blast slams into your crossed arms and like you lean into it as it starts pushing you slowly backwards a couple of feet through the ground, your feet digging furrows into the street. But uh, once the dust clears, the cat centaur is like, that should do it. (laughs) And then the dust clears, but you're still standing there. They go, what? (laughs) Uh, You know, you're smoking the armor on your on your van braces is melting onto your arms. You're a little bit staggered, but you're still standing strong. And they're all like, oh, no. Yeah, they should be oh knowing. What is your response to this assault on your person? She gave them a chance to stand down. And obviously, they didn't take it. So she's going to fight. Okay. She can't, she can't risk taking another blast like that. So. No. All right. So then am I rolling scrap? Well, tell me about this fighting you're doing. Um, Take big sword, swing big sword. Okay. You charge <laughs> forward towards them? Oh, yes. Okay, good. All right. So, yeah, you're, you're in desperate because they're opening fire on you as you charge them. They have ranged weapons, except for the guy with the staff. Yeah. You have a sword. It is a very big sword, but they have guns. Yeah. So you're still in a desperate position. Uh, I think this effect, if you get to them, is going to be great. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's give that a desperate great scrap roll. You can, of course, I think you have an ability that's relevant here before you roll that. Oh, yeah? Uh, unstoppable. You can push yourself to engage a small gang on equal footing. And there's a wrecking crew. When striking in melee, you gain one die, one extra die. Whenever you spend a gambit in combat, you also gain an extra plus one effect on that action. You're already at great effects, but uh, Wrecking Crew, you get an extra die on your attack. Okay, so then uh, we're doing position desperate uh, effect, you said great? Yep. And then uh, one bonus die, correct? That's correct. (laughs) If you swap those middle two, it would be like a flood. Yeah. All right, you got a six on a great uh, effect, so there is... You know, they're blasting at you. They're shooting these things. But like you are just going zip, 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 zigzagging, zagging between the bullets and projectiles until you get up to them. The sword slams into them just like a left to right sweep. I'm taking it. Yeah. Across the three of them. Okay. I think one of them is just going to be completely bisected. Which one of these do you take out? Oh, geez. Can I can I take out the one that almost killed me? Yep. (laughs) The centaur is it's charging up its chest cannon again. It's like, I just need to get off a second shot. As your blade cuts its cannon in half, and instead of the cannon firing at you, it explodes, and their body is just vaporized. Like that. Uh, And the other two are turning towards you. The one with the staff whirls it around and starts trying to, uh, you know, go after you with it. And the the other one, the clockwork one, puts up its dukes to fight you, and like these uh, brass brass knuckles uh, pop onto its hands, and it starts trying to jab at you. It says, now... See here, this is not how we do things. You just need to come quietly. We can forgive you for destroying the cat centaur. Never liked him anyway. <laughs> so yeah, these two are, are still trying to take you down, but uh, it's up to you how you want to deal with them. All right. Um, trying to figure out what she would do. 
She'll give them one more chance to to run for it. Okay. You're going to try command again? Yeah, we're going to try command again. She's going to tell them, you know, stand down. Leave with your lives. Okay. Now that you're only two on one here, I think your position is uh, is risky now instead of desperate. You are in your element. You're in your range. They're in your world at this moment. Mm-hmm. So you're in risky uh, here. And I think the effect will be standard on your command. They've seen what you can do. All right. Okay. You got a four, which is enough to this up by one. Okay. I think the person with the staff, they spin it up behind them. And, uh, you know, they've got one, their two fingers in front of them like this and the staff behind them. And they look at you and they say, this is not worth my life. And that person does a backflip and like there's a puff of smoke and they disappear. Uh, but the clockwork person takes this moment. They, they, t- they square up and they say, what's one life out of thousands? And they charge towards you once again. And you take the level two harm thunderstruck. As it turns out, those brass knuckles are electrified. Ouch. You can resist this with your prowess if you want. Yeah, let's resist. Okay. Six. Okay. You take no stress. And uh, so they go to punch you again. And I think like you block it with the flat of your blade or something like that. Yeah. Okay. It just, uh, the electricity runs up and down your, your, the blade of your sword, but is absorbed in the handles material. And uh, the clockwork man is sort of standing there and a bunch of steam bursts out of the pipes on his shoulders and uh, the clockwork mustache droops a bit towards the bottom until it's, you know, pointing at, what is it, five and seven Mm -hmm. uh, instead of pointing straight across. And he's like, oh dear, Uh, it's your move. All right. Um, She gave him a second chance. It's time to finish him. Okay. So um, same thing as before. I'm just going to be slashing out. Yeah. So um, I'm assuming scrap. Are, are we uh, at risky? Yeah, you're at risky. Great effect for this. And you get an additional die because of your ability there. All right. All right. You got another six there. Yeah. I mean, this would fill it up even if you didn't only have one tick left. Uh, how how do you finish the clockwork, man? I uh, just cut right through. Okay. There's a bunch of gears and stuff that spring out as your blade crashes through the wood and brass of his body. And uh, the clock face on his face. Uh, begins to fade and he says i suppose it's time to pay the piper uh, before it fades entirely and just turns into a blank static filled screen you're basically home free at this point i'm going to finish filling up the rendezvous clock here all right i went ahead and i I gave myself a second little bar in prowess because of that scrap roll is that right uh was it desperate i know it wasn't thank you i couldn't remember whenever you rolled a six or what yeah, you rolled, actually, you rolled a desperate scramble, so that would be another in prowess. You rolled a desperate command, so that would be in resolve, and then you roll another desperate scrap after that, so you got a good amount of experience out of that exchange. Yeah, so there's another desperate scrap there. Okay, so, yeah, okay, I've updated the experience there. Awesome. Okay, so Zora, you make your way through the directions that are unspooling in your head. You can sort of hear Matt's voice guiding you as you go and you know you make your way down into the sewers that are completely being disused in this section because most people here aren't organic why would they need sewers mm-hmm. and uh are making your way through an area you get to a door that's like an airlock you know beyond here there is no life support so you basically are going to have to hold your breath for several minutes as you make your way through here you do that you make your way through the section with no life support and through the next airlock into this little room that, as it turns out, is an elevator. 
The elevator carries you back down, down, down. When it opens up again, you find yourself in a hallway that is fairly dusty, but the floors are not, as if lots of people have been moving through here. There's lots of dust in the air, though. You know, you cough, you hold a Mm -hmm. hand up over your mouth as you make your way through. And eventually you make your way out into a very large open space. There's a false wall at the end of this hallway, but you know, you do a specific knock on there and the knock opens up the door and you see on the other side, the diminutive red floating body of Empy. And he says, oh, thank God. Wait, where's everyone else? It's just me. Oh no. Are they, are they dead? What's happened? No, no um, Matt's uh, trying to get everyone else. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, okay. Quick. Come in. Come on. Come on. Zora follows him. He shuts the door behind you. Okay. Zora. All right. Did they, is the thing in your, you got the, I don't think so. All right. Well, I don't have any way to check right now. Um, but, uh, your timing is, your timing is good. Uh, how are you feeling? It's been a day. Yeah. 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 Here too. Here too. Mm. I don't want to understate how glad I am to see you. Because I am very glad to see you. I also don't want to understate how much I need you to go out and do something else right now. And I hate to ask you. What do you need me to do? Okay, so uh, the people we're working with up here, uh, they're this, this group, they're called the, the Probable Cause. They're mercenaries. Some of them kind of suck. Um, <laughs> one of them has gone off to create a distraction because uh, all the other kids and one of the probable cause guys, he's, he's there, you know, they're creepy, but uh, they're doing their best. Um, they're trying to hack into the simulation here, which is everybody logs into it. I don't know if you've seen the matrix kind of like that. Uh, it keeps people from going, uh, from falling apart mentally. They're able to experience things like you would as a human. Uh, if they didn't have it, people living in robot bodies would, you know, wouldn't be good for them. That kind of isolation. So, They've gone to try and take control of that to crash it because they got to send a message down to the habitat because there is an armada of space invaders right outside the habitat right now getting ready to come in and kill everybody. Now, the people who are creating the distraction, I just lost contact with them. Can you go check it out? Sure, I can do that. It's okay. Again, I hate to ask this. I can see you're a mess, but uh, time's of the essence. I got a way you can get there pretty quickly, though. All right. How? Okay. He goes over to in the middle of this area, and you notice now what you're in is just like a giant water treatment plant that nobody's been using. Uh, you can see in the middle of the room, there is the 88 Express. It's there. It looks fine. It's got like tents attached to it. People have been living there and using it as a base camp. There's also a little bit farther away from that, just a big chrome sphere, like a massive chrome sphere about the size of like a small house mm-hmm. and uh, it's some of its chrome panels have fallen off. Like there's electronics uh, s- sparking out of it. And there's a bunch of chromed robot bodies working on it outside. And uh, MP says, okay, this is the probable cause. It's a ship, but it's also an AI. And uh, as it turns out, it's, uh, it's one of yours. The AI in there is one of your, uh, one of your gods. Uh, they can help you get to where you need to be. I, okay, yes, I, this maybe is uh, blowing, blowing minds a little bit. Hey, here's your God. It's a beer. Um, yeah, uh, Iterar is this one's name. God of destruction, something. So, uh, they don't really know they're a God. 
they said they did recycling. But anyway, uh, there's your God of Destruction. They need your help. Zora's just sort of like taking all of this in and is not sure how exactly one processes that one's God is some sort of recycling device. So she just goes, okay, all right. (laughs) Great, good. Uh, Terry, Terry. And one of the robot bodies working on the sphere turns around and comes over and they say, ah, Empy, how are you doing today? Oh, wait, you already told me. Sorry, I'm being pulled in many different directions right now. And I'm not what I once was. Who's this? The chrome body looks over at you. Zora. Zora, you must be from the habitat. You're right. I'm from the habitat. Marvelous, marvelous. So good to see you again. I'm very glad the people down. I understand you are in a bit of a rush at the moment. I believe CD needs your help because one of my proxies is with CD and CD has lost contact and I believe that proxy has been destroyed. So if you could be a hero for me, that would be a wonderful way to pass the time. What do you need me to do? First, I am going to transform in front of your very eyes. Please do not be alarmed. And the body begins to fold out and down and where once there was a person, there is now a two-wheeled chrome vehicle. So he's a transformer. Uh, yeah, they are able to transform their proxy bodies from humanoid mode into motorcycle mode. God, Zora is completely, just does not even know what's going on anymore. I'm going to put over in the hub chat a picture of basically what this looks like. Oh my God. I don't know if you're familiar with Genesis Climber Mosquito, but it's one of those. I'm not, but I can only imagine someone who has had very limited exposure to this actually seeing something like this. Yeah. I mean, it's basically like complete meltdown, but I'm going to accept the situation (laughs) because what else can I possibly do? I'm going to keep moving forward and hope for the best. Okay. So a hand extends from the side of the motorcycle and pats the seat on, on on its back and says, climb on. Zora will climb on. This is going to be a little bit weird. Please don't panic. And a bunch of metallic parts uh, open up from the motorcycle and close around you. Okay. Um, Zora panics internally a little. I can see your heart rate is spiking. Please be calm. I need this to provide you life support in the sections through which we are going to travel. You would not be able to survive without some type of life support system. And I know this is not the most comfortable situation, but it is what we have available. All right, Zora takes a deep breath, takes another deep breath, continues taking deep breaths until she feels somewhat calm, or as close as you can get it in a situation like this. Shall we go? Let's go. The motorcycle revs, and as it races out of the water treatment plant, pops a wheelie once, and then uh, disappears into a tunnel. And that is where we are going to call it with your solo session here. Great. (laughs) All right, well, thanks for joining me. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, we're going to take a break and uh, we'll meet back up with the rest of the group. All right. Till the next time, all the best.